Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program brought to you by the team at Radio New Zealand Sport. This week, FIFA is thrown into chaos as its president resigns while the Under-20 Football World Cup continues in New Zealand. The Under-20 Rugby World Championship kicks off in Italy and the all-black Bowdoin Barrett returns from injury as the Hurricanes try to secure top spot in Super Rugby. The Black Caps win their first test in England for 16 years and Captain Brendan McCullum reflects on the drawn series. The Magic and the Steel meet in the finals of the Trans-Tasman Netball Championship and the place at the Rio Games is on the line for the Men's Black Sticks in Hockey's World League. The governing body of world football was thrown into disarray this week after the bizarre resignation of its president, Sepp Blatter, just days after winning a fifth term. Blatter was re-elected at a FIFA Congress last week in Zurich as seven of its officials were arrested in a dawn raid. The US Department of Justice has charged 14 FIFA officials and associates alleging widespread corruption within FIFA over a period exceeding two decades. No charges have been brought against Blatter, but his resignation speech led the news on Morning Report and was followed by Susie Ferguson talking to the head of New Zealand football, Andy Martin. I will call an extraordinary congress and put at disposal my uh, function. It is going to be held as soon as possible and a new president will be elected to follow me as the new president. I will continue to exercise my function as president of FIFA until the new elections are going to be held. As for who his successor might be, Jordanian Prince Ali bin al-Hussein is being reported by a number of news organisations as saying he'll run again. Well, I'm always there to, to serve football, and I think that uh, that's the most important thing out of uh, part of this. And I think that we have to uh, do so much work to, to fix this organization in a proper way and uh, to serve uh, the needs of our people. New Zealand football's chief executive Andy Martin was at the Congress of the Sports Ruling Body in Zurich last week, and he's with us now. Good morning. Good morning. When you woke up and heard this news this morning, what did you think? Oh, listen, it should have happened on Friday, so it's a, it's a great day for football. I think we can all get together now and start repairing the tarnished brand of football, and, and that's what everybody wants. But where does this actually leave the game? It's going to be December at the earliest before there is any vote taken here. So what happens in the next, what, six to nine months? Well, I mean, look, there's still a lot of good people who work in football. I think what was happening here was that they... The brand had been damaged considerably, and so a lot of those good people were just being asked very difficult questions, which, to be quite honest, they didn't need and uh, were getting in the way. So we've seen it ourselves with the under-20 competitions taking place in New Zealand. You know, we want everybody focused on the event and the, the football and all those great things, but unfortunately, everybody's talking about FIFA. So that'll go away to a degree as we look now to say, right, the change agenda is coming. Let's find out who the candidates are going to be. Um, let's do our due diligence to make sure we get the best person and get behind them so that we can get the change um, that's, that's long, long overdue.
When this vote actually took place just a few days ago, was there any sense at all that something like this was in the wings? Yeah, I think I think um, on Friday, Thursday and Friday in particular, there was a lot of a lot of moving uh, positions going on. You could see things happening. People were a little bit exposed by you know being big bladder supporters and starting to see the wind the wind of change. Um, so I think um, you could see something was coming. I think there's two things happening. One was football starting to realise that the brand was being uh, really hit hard, but secondly, the sort of the allegations that were being more and more uh, raised. Um, and people were um, starting to be concerned about just how close that would get to the very top of the organisation with the six or seven people already being done. So there's going to be more to come. I don't think there's any doubt in the latter point. So if the realisation was coming, did it just not quite sink in before that election? And then what exactly was that for Seth Blatter? Some kind of grandstand? Well, I think, you know, he, he's been very strong in relying on the process of the Congress. And, and you know, FIFA has got very clear rules and regulations about... Um, one vote per country, and I think he was keen to be able to stand up and say, well, let the Congress uh, decide. And of course, you know, there's a lot of countries who've been loyal to him for a long time, um, who've had a lot of benefit from him, both good and bad, uh, in the past. And I think, you know, we saw two-thirds of the Congress voted for him, um, but substantially and significantly, a third of the Congress didn't. And I think that's what ultimately has uh, forced this position. And New Zealand and you, amongst that third that didn't vote for him, now, would you want to see the Jordanian Prince Prince Ali run again? Would you want to see him in this role? Yeah, I think he should. I think he's been uh, very brave to stand up and be the candidate for change last week. Um, I don't think he'll be the only candidate going forward. I think people like Michel Platini will appear, who is, is absolutely well-respected in the game and will be a very credible candidate. But I think others will come out of the woodwork now. And, you know, the, the, it's incumbent on football around the world to get the right leader because this is a huge, huge global organisation. You know, around the world today, this is going to be headline story. Um, and it needs to be turned into a positive for the greater good of what football does around the world. It's a global language, as we all know. Um, and we need to get this corrected quickly with the right leader. Sure, but I suppose what I'm getting at here was when you voted last week, you voted not for Sepp Blatter. Was that a protest vote? Or do you think actually the Jordanian is the best candidate and the best person to lead FIFA from here on in? Um, look, I think it's difficult to say. We were presented with two candidates last week and we voted for the best candidate on the day. I think we now need to see who's the uh, shortlist of candidates for the next Congress and we'll go through the same process and we'll talk to all the candidates and decide what we think is the right thing to do. So in that case, if you had the choice, who do you think should lead FIFA? If you could put a candidate forward, if you could install somebody, who do you think that would be? Uh, it's, I just I, I couldn't possibly answer that question. I think uh, Prince Ali was very impressive last week. We got very close to him, and that's why we decided to go with uh, the agenda he had. So I think he's he's there as a start of a ten in terms of you know somebody's got to be very impressive uh, to beat him. But let's wait and see what the shortlist is. I think things are going to move pretty quickly over the next couple of months. Um, I heard this morning that um, Congress is looking likely to be sort of December March time when we'll be asked to vote again. So there's plenty of time now to look at the right candidates to change and, and decide what we need to do. Meanwhile, the junior All-Whites are battling to stay in the Under-20 Football World Cup despite making a strong start to the New Zealand tournament. A nil-all draw with Ukraine in the opening match was followed by a 4-0 humbling at the hands of the USA, leaving the juniors needing to beat Myanmar and Wellington on Friday to advance to the next stage. 
A late call-up to the squad is 17-year-old Noah Billingsley, the youngest member of the New Zealand team. The Wellington schoolboy who played for the Wanderers in the championship told Barry Guy he's finding it hard to believe he's in the side. Uh, it's still really exciting. You know, um, I still can't believe I'm here. Um, it's an unreal experience playing in my own country for one of the biggest tournaments in the world, but um, still got to stay pretty grounded at the same time. You know, can't get too ahead of yourself. But, but yeah, it's it's been unreal. Now, I suppose a couple of months ago, perhaps, you know, you might have been thinking about it a little bit, but uh, a lot's happened really in the last couple of months. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. I think um, around Christmas time, I wasn't even thinking about the under-20s or anything, but, you know, one thing led to another, and uh, somehow <laughs> I got here. So, yeah, it's, it's all happened pretty quickly, but I've got my head around it now, and I think, um, yeah, I think, I think I'm pretty, pretty grounded now. So, yeah. So, uh, you still at school so how all, how's all that working out for you um at the moment i'm still not sure like where i stand because i've been away for the last three weeks but um traveling up and um, back and forth to auckland um my teachers have been great um at onzo college they've helped me out given me extra internals to do some extensions um just help me whenever they can so hopefully when i get back they can continue <laughs> because i'll be quite behind but yeah, as I say, they've been fantastic at Onzo College. Yeah, I understand the schooling's an important part for you because you're looking at possible scholarships and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, looking to get a scholarship to um, America for uh, college, so hopefully I can finish the year. Um, I got quite decent results last year, so hopefully they can um, they can judge judge my academics off that rather than this year, as I've missed quite a f quite a bit of the year. So hopefully I can just pass the year and go from there. So, you know, you came off the bench in the first game and then you, you started your, your second. I mean, uh, what, how's that been? What were your prospects, I suppose, just making the squad was the first thing? Yeah, well, uh, making the squad was just my main goal and, you know, whatever happened from there is just a bonus. Um, uh, my coach, Darren, did talk about some people not getting not getting any minutes at all and I, I kind of put myself in that category, you know, being one of the youngest and only just coming into the squad, but... Um, when I got the, the call up to, to come onto the field in the first game, I was I was buzzing, and then when I got told that I was going to start the second game, it was just just unreal. And what's it like being in the environment and at a World World Cup? It must be something you know that every young lad dreams of. Oh yeah, well it's a bit of a change to what I'm usually used to, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely quite cool. You know, it's quite professional. You know, um, we all eat and drink together, like have lunch, all the meals together. Um, train together, do everything together as a squad. Um, yeah, it's very professional and something I could get used to. <laughs> and uh, New Zealand's obviously developing uh, this, you know, they regularly make World Cups of various age groups and that sort of thing. And um, can you see this, you know, progressing and New Zealand, you know, really making something out of this? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think in the last few years, New Zealand's really picked it up with their football. Um, it's just starting to come, become quite, quite big in New Zealand. Um, I think in the following years it can we can definitely be a lot better than we've been um, with the development. But I think I think we're definitely on, on a good path with our football in this country. What about that uh, that last game? You know, uh, you obviously were the lone wolf up front. Really, it was hard going the classy side. Yeah, uh, it's a very tough game. Um, just you playing up front on my own. Um, I just try to work hard, and you know, anything else will come after that. But working hard was my main priority. Um, it's a shame about the result, but they're a good team and you know, on to the next game, really. What about playing in Wellington? Uh, what's that going to be like for you? Uh, I can't wait. Um, haven't been told if I'm going to play yet, um, but I'm hoping I do because 
the support here is great. You know, quite a football um, city with the Phoenix, and obviously I'm from here, so a lot of my family and friends are coming, so it'd be great to play in front of them. Have you ever played at Westpac Stadium? Uh, no, it'd be the first time, so pretty big as well. Uh, and a historic for football there, of course, New Zealand qualified for the World Cup there. Did you go to that game? I did, yeah, I was there as a, as a youngster. Um, never actually dreamed, never thought I'd be there uh, myself, but uh, now I'm here. So hopefully the, the good fortune can continue and we can progress in the next round. From junior football to junior rugby now and the New Zealand under-20 rugby team are at the World Championships in Italy trying to do what no New Zealand side has done since 2011, win the title. They kicked off their campaign with a 68-10 win over Scotland in a match marred by the whistle of the Argentinian referee. The New Zealand coach Scott Robertson says planning and adjusting for different referees will be vital to his side's chances at the tournament. We have to look who, who's coming next for us in the style that they uh, they ref. Um, you know, if it's a breakdown focus or a really tough around anything in a scrum, um, offside lines or in game, so a bit of both. The referee inconsistency, it's another element to add to the mix of when you're trying to prepare the side, but it's I guess that's part of these tournament situations. It's another element that comes into play. Yeah, it does. We've got to do a homework around it. and uh, As I said before, take him away from from the game and just be good at different parts of it, be really aware. Look, they've got a massive focus on uh, you know anything around the head, tip tackles, offside. There's a real four or five big key things that these guys are focusing on here at this tournament before they go to the World Cup, um, just to set a standard. And what are you expecting from your next opponent opponents? You get a little bit of time, I guess, to have a wee look at perhaps how they go in their first game. But what are you expecting from Argentina? Oh, look, Argentina, really good round set piece as you expect. And as the senior side are. They've, uh, they're really passionate. They're good close around the ruck. They don't play a massive amount of rugby. They play a lot of pressure rugby, kick, high ball stuff. Uh, and, and look, they'll have a drop kick. So for us, it's a little bit of discipline keeping our shape and stuff. And we'll worry about it. Uh, a chance for us to concentrate on ourselves and make sure that uh, we don't focus too much on them. Half the stuff we'd actually planned to do in this game, we didn't do because they're a set piece was a bit rusty and we ended up not doing any of it so we don't have to change our menu as we call it for what we're, what we're going to deliver and we're just going to recover well and get excited. So I guess for you this next match is about producing the performance that you want to produce as a side, as a New Zealand side. Yeah, oh, it, it is really important that we do produce a, a high level performance but this is tournament, this is, all the, this is about getting in good nick and, and good form come semis and finals, you know he's peaking now so there's a lot to work on we haven't got anything serious for other than Jeff Cridge's knee, so injuries play a big part. You build, you, you build every week, and uh, it's, a, it's a good start. There was relief for Hurricanes and All Blacks fans this week as first five Bowden Barrett was given the all clear to return to Super Rugby. Barrett has been out of action since injuring his knee a month ago and in that time the Hurricanes have tried James Marshall and the New Zealand under-20 player Oteri Black in his place. Barrett spoke to the media just before he flew out to Napier ahead of their clash with the Highlanders. Feeling really good. Um, rehab's been going well and I'm starting to kick the ball so uh, yeah, really excited about getting back out there. 
Was it touch and go? Did you want? Did you aim to come back this week? You know, get a bit of momentum going into the finals. Um, I wouldn't be out there if I didn't feel up to it. So we first saw, uh, thought sort of four to six weeks, and it's going to be five. So I think it's perfect. And obviously feel good for OTD as well. Getting gets to go to the under twenties. Yeah, I'm glad he gets the release. He's played really well for us, and um, you know that under twenty tournament's a um, huge deal for a young player coming through. I sort of remember my time when I was in the under-20s. I was also in Italy and, um, yeah, really enjoyed it. Goal kicking got a problem? Haven't tried yet. Yeah, so that's work in progress. TJ can kick, so can Jimmy, so um, we've got plenty of options. James Broadhurst can kick as well, I think. I don't think I'll be considered for that this week. Um, when, I'm, when I feel comfortable to um, kick off the tee, I'll, um, I'll know, so I guess um, I don't know what they do, flip a coin or Bordy might pick, pick the kicker, see how TJ goes today maybe. But the other range of motion, pretty good though? Yeah, really good. Um, comfortable running around and everything, so that's good. Bordy, is your return perfect timing? Oh, hopefully. Um, if I play well, I guess it could be called perfect, but uh, I've trained really well and feel comfortable on it, so that's the main thing. And so how did it feel being on the sideline? It's quite difficult to watch. Um, most of the time the boys played really well and obviously after last week we want to put in a better performance so really looking forward to this week. What sort of things have you been doing? A lot of time on the, on the bike and um, doing a lot of posterior chain work so a lot of leg weights and um, you actually probably train more when you're injured than you do when you're not so it's quite ironic. But a um, little bit of a mental break although I've been looking at um, other teams, looking at footage and sort of helping out the coach as well. Each session it sort of gets better and better. It's just registering in my brain that my knee needs to move there and then I don't feel it ever again. So, um, yeah, I might get one of those little moments again today, but, um, yeah, I feel ready to go. Do you ever have any concerns during your rehabilitation time about getting back? Um, it was new territory for me. I'd never really... Um, done an injury that kept me out for this long so I just keep trusting the physio team we have here and um, you know worked really hard so I was confident I'll get, get back in time for it. Did you talk to uh, anyone else you know similar situation being through you? Yeah Victor and a few of the other boys have had knee injuries and um, it's quite good to talk to them about it but um, like I said just trusting the, the medical team we have at the Hurricanes um, they've been really good and I'm just happy to get back to where I am now. So you're confident, but uh, perhaps if there's anything, maybe Tessa, what, the lungs having had a month yeah. out or something? I've been doing a little bit of conditioning and plenty of time on the Watt bike, so um, that gives you a good blow on on the lungs, so it's just getting back into my uh, rugby, I suppose, fitness. That'll be the main thing, because you can't really compare anything to that. And you're hoping to get through 80 minutes? Hopefully, yeah, that's the plan at this stage. How's the team looking at this this Highlanders matchup? Obviously, if you win, you've got the top place sewn up, but... Um, yeah, how, how important is it, is it to win this match? Really important. Um, they're a very good side coming off a, a big win last week and you know we didn't play too well last week so it's just about one game at a time for us and really getting that performance sorted so we're just working hard on our game this week. And they're resting their all base this week, does that make them a weaker side at all? Or? Not at all. Uh, last week Crusaders rested I don't know how many All Blacks and that didn't make them weak so um, you've got to be, uh, you've got to look out for that. You won't be doing goal kicking? Um, it's unlikely. Why is that? 
because I haven't done any goal kicking, I'm not up to. I'm just not at that stage of my rehab and uh, return to play. So I feel comfortable to do my job as a ten, but not really the goal kicking, just because of the nature of the injury. It's an MCL. It's that side on lateral movement. So that'll be the last thing to um, say that I'm 100% to be a goal kicking first line. The two-test cricket series between New Zealand and England finished in a draw this week when the Black Caps won the second match at Headingley by 199 runs. The Leeds victory was only New Zealand's fifth test win in England and their first since 1999. The Black Caps are now undefeated in their last six test series and credit has gone to the aggressive and innovative captaincy of Brendan McCullum who was this week made an officer of the New Zealand Order of Merit. The close-run series in England was widely heralded as entertaining and worthy of a third and deciding match, something McCullum hopes is scheduled into future series. Yeah, I said all the way along that we've got to earn the right. You know, our performances um, over a period of time haven't always been good enough to demand longer test series. I'd hope that the way we're playing at the moment, if we can continue to improve as a team, then then we're going to give ourselves the greatest opportunity to have longer test series. It would have been great to have had a third test match in this series. It's not to be, it's just how, it's how the scheduling works. But I think rather than looking at what, what may have been, I think we should look back on what's been an outstanding test series. Both played in incredibly good spirits from both teams, um, seen some magnificent cricket from both teams as well. And, and I think in the end, a 1-1 result was a really fair reflection. Catching throughout the series from, from our slips um, has been superb. It's not, it's not easy as well catching over here. Um, you know, with the, with the Duke sport, it does tend to, to wobble a little bit, so... I think our guys were outstanding. They, they came probably a touch closer as well, um, which is something that we talked about before the series, that it's better to at least give yourself the opportunity to be a bit closer. And um, you know, If you drop them, you drop them, but at least you get the opportunity to catch them. So you know, Mark Craig, um, I thought he had an outstanding game for us across all three facets of the game. Um, and obviously other guys uh, chipped in as well in terms of the catching. Yeah, it was like playing in the card. It was just blustery. It had different demands on you. Um, I guess the beauty of that was that it was going to dry the wicket out too. Um, and I think, uh, again, I thought it was an outstanding cricket wicket too. Um, you want to see on the last day uh, the ball, I guess, keeping a little bit low or maybe popping a little bit or spinning, and I thought that's what we saw from this wicket. Um, but, yeah, it was tough conditions, but, you know, the guys, they, they held firm and, um, you know, we, we were trying to chase the test, uh, test win, so... Uh, whilst the bowlers were a little bit tired, only three seamers as well, um, they had different demands on them, they were a bit tired, but Tim and Trent keep telling me that you never get tired when you're bowling for a test one, so um, no, that was one thing we had up our sleeve. Um, we've got a really good group of people um, throughout the playing group, but also management group, we've got a happy bunch of people who enjoy the opportunity that we have, which is to represent our country and, and to tour the world playing against um, you know, uh, outstanding opposition in their own conditions, and and trying to achieve some special things during the time that we've got, and you know, I think we've we've grabbed that, and we've we've uh, we've tried to use that as one of the things which has allowed us to play with some freedom as well. That you only get one crack at this, so you may, might as well have a good time while you're at it. So, you know, the guys that have uh, stepped up and performed um, been outstanding, but it's a wider group which I'm really delighted with. Um, we've played like this for a while now, but I've also said you've got to earn the right to do so, and. Um, you know, we uh, we did that throughout this test match. There was times we were behind the eight ball, two for two after losing the toss, and and uh, and batting first is uh, things can turn pretty pretty ugly pretty quickly. But I thought the guys they got us uh, got us back in the game, and then we were able to push on with our aggressive intent from there. Um, second innings as well, I thought 
the way that Martin Gupta and Ross Taylor um, grabbed the initiative of the game um, and, uh, and put us or gave us that uh, that momentum and that confidence to be able to again uh, push again was outstanding. And obviously the way that BJ iced it um, was uh, was superb. Um, but yeah, I guess it's the style that we it gives us our greatest chance. Um, it's not always going to come off, but um, it allows us. Well, we know how to win test matches when we play like this, and, and as long as we play well, um, we'll give ourselves a good opportunity. I've been here a few times and had no success, so it's nice to it's nice to be a part of a team which um, is able to to get a test win um, in English conditions. It's a tough place to tour England. It asks different questions of you, especially than the ball and, and the conditions you're confronted with. And England, in their own conditions, are a very very good cricket team. And, we saw that in the first test match, and we knew that we were going to have to play well to be able to bounce back in this series. So, it, um, yeah, I think it ranks right up there in, in terms of what we've been able to achieve. This team's achieved some pretty special things over the last little while, um, but this is certainly one which we'll look back on in, in years to come and and uh, and say that you know we uh, we were able to grab them the opportunity when it arose. The Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic host the Southern Steel on Sunday in the elimination final of the New Zealand Conference in the Trans-Tasman Netball League. The Magic are second on the table and favourites to win the match in Hamilton, having twice beaten the Steel this season. But the Magic coach Julie Fitzgerald told Stephen Hewson her team can't take victory for granted. Finals netball is far more intense than what you play in the rounds and that you can't just reflect on the fact that we've beaten twice through the season. But I think we're ready and I think we're looking forward to it. Hometown advantage, too, can make a, a big deal of difference, too, at this time, can't it? Yeah, well, the Claudelands crowd has been very good to us this year. They've helped us over the line in a couple of games, and we haven't lost at Claudelands this year, so hopefully that'll stand us in good stead. Do you feel a little fortunate being in this space, given you, you've lost more games than you've won? Yeah, I do, but we've worked so hard to be in this space, and a few of those losses I thought we were... Considering the fact that we've had the injuries and the young players that we've got, some of those early losses that we had to teams like Swiss and, and Vixens were a pretty good effort for us and we've sat in second position in the conference all throughout the year. So I think we do, do deserve to be in the second spot. And, and what about taking on the on the steel? I mean, where in particular do you need to shut them down? Oh, obviously the supply of ball to Janelle Fowler. She's an enormous scoring threat, can score an awful lot of goals for them. So we have to shut down the supply of ball to her. But I think their two defenders in Purvis and Caraca are working very, very well together as well. So we'll have to use our wits down there. I suppose you've got uh, maybe a bit more finals or playoff experience too than the steel, which can, can be uh, a factor. Yeah, we do that. If you look at the seven on the court, there's not too many there that have played finals. So... Whilst we haven't got, we've probably got a little bit more than them. Um, it'll be a matter of using the experience that we do have to help the ones that don't have any. Your thoughts generally on on the new new setup? Oh, look, I think it's good. I understand why it has critics, but it has kept the attention in the New Zealand League going right to the last and final game. And now that we are in finals and that we get this conference system, you don't know what's going to happen in finals, and we might sneak up and surprise some of these Aussie teams. Given your time here at the Magic and given your uh, Australian background, do you think you might have a, a better handle on why things still don't seem to work for, for New Zealand teams? Because what the Magic are the only ones that have actually beaten an Australian team this season. Yeah, I know that I, I, 
I said the other day, and I haven't had the time to work the statistics of it out, but I think overall we've probably got, on the majority of games, we've probably got closer to the Australian teams this year. We might have turned it into two points, but there's been quite a few draws and quite a few close matches, and I know we've had, we've had losses by three, four, and five against the Aussie teams in a win. So our differential, I think, this year is probably quite good. So I think it's only a matter of time. I do think we are closing the gap. The New Zealand men's hockey team are in Argentina for the World League, which doubles as the Black Sticks' first and best opportunity to qualify for the Rio Games. The top three finishers at the 10-team tournament get direct entry to the 2016 Olympics, although New Zealand could still qualify with a lower finish depending on world ranking points. The Black Sticks first beat Egypt 4-1 and then Japan 2-1 and next face the Netherlands and Korea. If New Zealand don't qualify for the Olympics, they can try again at the Oceania Cup, but as captain Simon Child told Joe Porter, they'd rather earn their ticket to Rio at the World League. There's a chance, with our ranking being, uh, I think, six or seven, that if we finish fourth or possibly fifth at this tournament, that may be enough to guarantee us a spot at Rio, but um, failing that, uh, we'll have to beat Australia in the Oceania Cup later in the year. Okay, so certainly finishing in the top three here would be the easiest way through. It would stave off <laughs> stave off that elimination against Aussie, which could be tough. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to leave it until um, later in the year, that's for sure. Ten teams at this tournament is a top three spot, something that you feel you're very capable of? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're really confident um, with, with the team that we've got here and the hockey that we've been playing this year that, uh, that we can certainly finish in the top three. There are, you know, no, make no mistakes, there are some very good teams here. Um, Three teams ranked uh, above us, so we'll have to be certainly on our game to, to make sure we um, are in the semi-finals. Like you say, this is this is the first and probably the best chance to qualify for the Olympics. You don't want to leave it till the Oceania series against Australia. Yeah, that's we're, you know we're certainly putting all our focus and our energy into into doing it and uh, and qualifying here. So look, we're very confident that um, we can get the job done. There's no doubt about that. Who do you see as your main rivals potentially then at this uh, World League semi-final? Holland and Game Three will be you know a huge challenge for us, and then following that we have Korea and Game Four. So, you know the, the last two games of the pool are certainly going to be probably the most difficult. Beyond that, I'd say you know a potential quarterfinal against the likes of uh, Germany, Argentina, or Spain. And you've got a few returning veterans and a few returning stars coming back into the lineup. It's it's one of the strongest Black Sticks men's teams we've seen in a while. Yeah, that's right. There's a few old boys who have come back into the fold, which is really great. So, um, you know, having an experience of, of Phil Burrows and Ryan Archibald and, and also Shane McAleese is, you know, it's, uh, it's fantastic to have the likes of, of those guys back in the fold and, and you know, just their, their experience and, you know, the skills that they bring and the knowledge that they bring to the team is, you know, it's huge. It's a huge asset for us. So, you know, we're really looking forward and, and very grateful to have them back in the team. Have you set yourselves any minimum targets or any minimum goals for this uh, World League semi-final, or is it like you say, literally just focusing on the next match ahead? Yeah, like we have set us some goals, and, and that is to win um, our first goal each game as it comes. Um, our second goal is to qualify for the quarterfinals. Our third goal is to um, qualify for the semi-final, and our fourth goal is to qualify for the final, and our last goal is to win <laughs> the tournament. So. Um, you know, they're very much um, designed in a stepping stone um, way so that, like I said earlier, that our focus is only on the game in front of us. The tough qualifying schedule certainly, um, I guess, puts you in good stead should you make it to the Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a cutthroat um, qualifying format and I think the the level of, you know, between teams ranked 1 and 12 in the world is, is so small now that, you know, anyone on their day could um, could qualify. So, 
has um, included a big cutthroat um, competition and probably more competitive than it has been um, in, in recent. Uh, and, and you're absolutely right in saying that you know the games that we've had and the lead up to this and, and the games that um, coming up are going to hold us in uh, really good to qualify for Rio. That's extra time for this week. You can send your feedback to sport at radionz.co.nz. Thanks for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.